Turning your Bible to two passages, Matthew chapter 6 and Matthew 28. We're in the middle of a series, and, and, and let me just throw this out. Uh, uh, let me quickly go to the end slide, Ike. I want to just show you some things. I want to do this now before I get into the disciple. Uh, I'm going to quickly go over some points that are, that are really our summer initiative, our summer success initiatives that I believe the Lord's laid on my heart for us to engage with. And when all of this comes up, I want you to take a picture of it and then use it as an outline this summer to help us all work together to be successful, not on our personal lives, but as a church family, to make our greater God difference uh, this summer uh, for the kingdom of God. And here it is. It's really four initiatives that the Lord laid on my heart for us. The first one is intercede or intercession. This summer, we need to pray more than ever before. We need to seek God. In fact, just a few moments, I'm going to be talking about the lifestyle uh, of a disciple and the lifestyle of prayer and praying together and praying. Uh, and so I'll just give you some thoughts about that from Matthew 6. Uh, but here's three things that I want us to pray for and pray over together uh, this summer in our quiet times and even maybe in church some, we're going to put some opportunities before you. The first one is we need to pray for focus and then our friends and then finances. Everyone say focus, friends, and finances. We need to pray that God would give us fresh vision and focus on how to do our best for the kingdom of God this summer. Lord, give us creative strategy and means. We're talking about the Great Commission and the fact that we need to make disciples, but we also need a, a fresh vision in our hearts on how to do our best. So I want to encourage our church family. I'm going to ask you, just begin on, on a consistent basis. Take a picture of this in just a moment and use this as your prayer outline and say, God, give us focus. Give Pastor Sam, Michael, and, and Jim and Trish and uh, all our leaders. Leaders, uh, Josh and Lauren, everyone together, some fresh vision and focus on uh, to come into our life to be able to help us be successful. And then number two, I want you to pray and intercede for your friends, especially those that are not walking with Christ, especially those who who so desperately need a touch from God, those who are out of church. Uh, and then number three, I want you to pray over the finances uh, of our church family. Sometimes, let me be honest, sometimes I think uh, I'm the only guy praying, give us this day our daily bread. And I, I, I need to know, I need, I, I need to know in my heart, I, I, this, how many of you know, even pastors can be insecure, okay? And so in a time, let me ask you this question, in a time of leanness in your personal finances, do you pray, oh Lord, help us? Nobody? Okay. How many of you pray, man, when you, when you haven't, oh God, give us this day our daily bread. I, we, as a church family, uh, we need to agree together that God would supply supernaturally for us. How many of you know he's the God of supernatural provision? Everyone say focus, friends, and fa uh, focus, friends, and finances. Let's pray over that this summer. The second initiative is this. Uh, it's interact. Everyone say interact. Hebrews 10, 25 says, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. Uh, 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 as you see that day approaching, he's talking about the end of times. He said, uh, don't forsake the assembling together. Let me throw this out. The devil's trying to keep us from plugging in and getting involved. And so I want to encourage you this summer uh, to intercede and interact 
plug into the family of faith. In fact, tonight uh, at, uh, uh, where is, uh, there's Stacy and Brent's upstairs at their home. Our church family is going to have a home group. There's going to be more hot dogs there available for you and you can swim. It's in the uh, bulletin. Uh, but we encourage you to come and interact with one another. And let's grow, <coughs> pardon me, grow in Christ together. Don't disengage from the local church. Everybody say, intercede. Everyone say, interact. And then number three, invest. This summer is a time to invest our time, our treasure, and our talents, as we always say, into God's kingdom and purpose in the earth. I encourage you to volunteer for Vacation Bible School. You might think, well, I'm not a teacher of kids. There's a lot of places you can volunteer that have nothing to do with standing up and lecturing uh, kids. So uh, invest your time. Invest your resources. Uh, what? Are, hey, our treasure, the finances, uh, and I mentioned our Haiti emphasis. I encourage you this summer uh, to step it up in the area of your tithes, your offerings, and your alms gift. Let me say this, that last week we talked about the lifestyle of giving as a disciple. If you missed last Sunday, I want to highly encourage you to go uh, on our website, cotrnorth.com, and listen to last Sunday's message. Uh, when I finished the message, uh, Jim, who's not here this morning, one of our elders, he just said, Pastor, that word was timely. It was right on time. We needed to hear that. And so if you missed, I want to encourage you to plug in and get involved because we, we, we give with our tithes, with our offerings, and with our alms. And so uh, be an investor. Uh, in fact, uh, Matthew 6 talks about uh, lay, don't lay up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up treasure where? In heaven. And then the, fi the final one, and you're going to hear about these more, is invade. Someone say invade. It's time we stop being defensive uh, against the devil. It's time to invade the darkness. Somebody say amen. It's time we step up and invade the darkness with the light and the liberty and the love of God and walk into our world with our light shining bright and the love of God burning uh, bright in our hearts and the freedom of Christ being made manifest. And let's, how many of you know, it's not time, it's time we just take over in the spirit, amen, and invade the darkness. Somebody say amen. So I encourage you in those four areas. Now, get your phone out, take, uh, take a picture of that right there. Come on, somebody, this is our, this is our summer, summer success initiatives. This is going to help you because you're going to leave and you're going to go, oh, what were those things? I need to pray for something. I don't know what it was. I, I need to be, so take a picture of it and you're going to hear more about that this summer. Uh, intercede, interact, invest and invade the darkness. And let's, let's see God do great. That's our summer success initiatives. And everybody said amen. Hallelujah. This is the, now look around at somebody and say, this is the day the Lord has made. Say, I will rejoice. And then look at somebody, how about you? Tell somebody, how about you? I will rejoice and be made glad. And everybody said, amen. All right, here we go. Back to Matthew 6 and Matthew 28. I'm going to move quickly through this first part because I spent a little time there with you. Uh, but this is kind of bring you into this uh, series that we're talking about, the disciple makers, our mission, our vision. 
uh, and uh, our mission statement and all that we believe and all we do. Our mission statement that you heard on our announcements are this. Here it goes. This is why this this is the fourfold purpose of God. We're called to gather. Let's read it together. We're called to gather. We're called to grow. We're called to give, and we're called to go. We've been learning that this mission statement that God has given us as a church family certainly lines up with the Great Commission. You know the Great Commission is to go into all the world and make disciples. Everybody say, make disciples. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. See, the Great Commission is not just to go and and preach the gospel, but to go and preach the gospel and make disciples, reproduce ourselves. And here's the thought, the cross-cultural calling and command of the Great Commission to all Christians. Everybody say, that means me, is to make disciples of all nations. And so that's the call of God on our life, to become disciple makers, not just church attenders. I just read an article, and I'm already getting uh, shooting from the hip this morning, about Francis Chan. You may have read his book, Crazy Love. He pastored, birthed and pastored what you'd call a megachurch. Back numbers of years ago, he resigned his church uh, because his church was becoming so about him uh, instead of about the Great Commission. And it was very interesting, some of the thoughts and things he's done uh, and uh, in these last few years. Uh, and it's all about making disciples. And that's the call of God for all of us. Uh, and here's our definition for this series. And really, you can embrace it in your life. Uh, it's this. A true disciple is a dedicated and disciplined follower of Jesus who has embraced, that is, somebody say embraced, embrace the command and call of God to make disciples. I wonder what church would look like. I said, I wonder what church would look like if the people began to embrace the reality that their purpose is not to come sit soak and sour, but their purpose is to make disciples. And so uh, that's why we're talking about this, and that's where we've been. Uh, and we've talked about the fact that it's a lifestyle. Becoming a disciple is not something you do uh, just, you know, every once in a while. And being a disciple, it should be our lifestyle. Uh, and we've talked from Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which is really the theme of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' first recorded message is the lifestyle of disciple, of a disciple. We looked at the lifestyle of influence. What did Jesus say? You are salt and you are? And so we've been, people are disciple makers and disciples are people of influence. We talked about a lot of things on Wednesday night, and so we're, we're hitting this on Wednesday night as well. But then a couple of Sundays ago, we talked, or last Sunday, we talked about the lifestyle of giving. Matthew 6, Jesus said, when you give. Everybody said, when you give. You see, becoming a giver is not something that's not optional. It's not maybe so, maybe not. That's the that's a lifestyle uh, of a disciple. Jesus was a giver. He is a giver. And if we're going to follow him, we've got to be givers as well. So that was last Sunday. Now, whoo, everybody go, whoo. Man, I got all that introduction uh, aside. Let's jump into this morning's message and let's talk about the lifestyle of prayer. Father, thank you today for the word of the Lord. May it bring forth much fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 5, and when you pray, 
You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they have, they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, he's talking about disciples. Do not use vain, uh, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Did you know your private time with prayer makes a big difference out there? I'm going to say that again. Your private time of prayer in here and in your closet makes a big difference out there. And it makes a difference in your life. He said he'll reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, don't be like them. Everybody say, don't be like them. For your father, uh, for they think they will be heard by their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. So in this manner, therefore pray. Now, this is not a vain repetition. You've heard people pray this. Our father which art in heaven, hallowed be the name. The kingdom come, that will be done. Owner is in heaven, give us it. That's a vain repetition. This is a prayer outline that he said, you pray this way. And today, I'm not going to just go through the outline. I'm going to just give you some thoughts that I see about the motives and the mindset of a disciple when they pray and what Jesus was teaching. But he said, pray this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And everyone say the last word, amen. Now look over in Matthew 7, which is still part of the Sermon on the Mount, down in verse 7. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, uh, if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And everybody said amen. So this morning, I'm just going to give you some thoughts that you can embrace in your life as a disciple in the lifestyle of prayer that I've been pondering now for a couple of weeks. And here they are. Number one, the first one is this, your, your lifestyle of prayer it's about relationship and not religion. It's about a relationship. In fact, when he, he defines these religious people and how they want to pray in the streets to be seen by men, and it was just a religious act. And he said, they have their reward. Uh, but you, when you pray, don't be like them. You go into your secret place and you pray. And let, let me tell you how you pray because your father, somebody say father. Uh, now, now understand this about prayer and your lifestyle of prayer. It's not a duty. It's a lifestyle of relationship with your heavenly father. You know, in the world we live in, there's a lot of people. In fact, I've come to the conclusion, I can't prove it just yet. Maybe I won't be able until I get to heaven, that nearly every issue people have in their life is probably based on some flawed understanding of fatherhood and what I call daddy issues. Everybody say daddy issues. I think all of us on some level have a daddy issue. Uh, and so it, it negatively affects our culture. In fact, the statistics 
prove this out. And so here's it. Think about this. Jesus, when he's talking about the disciple and the lifestyle of prayer, he said, when you pray, I want you to get this. You start your prayer by, by building your relationship with your heavenly father, our father. Somebody say father. Paul said this. He says, we've received not the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption. Whereby, this is Romans 8, I believe, whereby we cry out, Abba, which means Father. So we've been adopted into this family. Somebody say, Amen. He's chosen us. He wants to have a relationship with us. So when you think about prayer, and you think about your daily prayer life and getting up and being with God and as a disciple, uh, seeking the face of God and calling out to Him. It's not a, re- it's not a religious duty that we have. It's amazing to me that how we take prayer and it's my duty. Oh, I gotta pray. Do I have to pray? Oh, oh man, should I pray every day? Man, gosh, this prayer, ah, you know, and, and Paul said, you, he said, we, we should be praying without ceasing. In other words, let's build this relationship with our heavenly father. Let's get past the past. Let's get past our daddy issues. And at the place of prayer, let's build a, let me just tell you today in the culture we live in, we need a real relationship with the father more than ever before. We need to know that we know that we know him and that he loves us and we love him. I'm telling you, prayer is about a relationship. I'm telling you, some of you get up in the morning, you say, good Lord, it's morning. What we need to do is get up and say, good morning, Lord. Thank you that you're my father. And as a father, you know what I need. What did he say in verse 8? Your father knows what you need before you even ask him. But at the same time, he said we need to ask. It's about a relationship. And I want to encourage you this summer, and I want you to embrace this as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Listen, you can't make disciples without having a real, real relationship with the father. Well, did I have to get up early? I, you know what? Uh, Jesus did. I think that's a good model. Whatever time you go to work, you need to get up early enough to spend, you know, time with the Father. Amen. Time with your heavenly Father at the place of prayer. Everyone say, Our Father. Whew. I just think we need to think about that. It's about relationship. And you know what I, let me just tell you, when my prayer life begins to wane, has anybody's prayer life ever waned? You ever, ever sagged in your prayer life? You know what starts happening in your spiritual life? You start sensing distance from God. But when you plug in and you build a relationship, it doesn't matter what you go through, you know, whoo, I'm under the banner of the Father. I'm in favor with the Father. He knows what I need. Somebody say, he knows what I need. Say it just like I said it. He knows what I need before I even ask him. Come on, let's try it. Say, he knows what I need before I even ask him. I love it. But how many of you fathers out there, you know what your kids need. And a lot of times what we need is not what we want. But when your children finally realize and say, you know what I need is what he wants me to have and what he knows I need. Man, it'll bless us. And so understand this about the lifestyle of, (coughs) pardon me, the lifestyle of prayer. 
It's about a relationship and not about religious duty. Number two, the lifestyle of prayer. Now this, I'm telling you, if you watch my Breakfast with Champions on Facebook this morning, you got a little of this. It's, and in fact, I have prayed the model prayer for years. And for some reason, this thought got past me. How many of you know, sometimes things just, they're so, so right there. They're so close that you, that, like the nose on your face. Here it is. It's about being inclusive rather than exclusive. We say, pastor, what does that mean? Well, go to the prayer. Notice what he says. When you pray as disciples, here's what you need to pray. Our father. Somebody say our father. Whoop, that's not my father. That's our father. In other words, the understanding of your prayer life is so bigger than you. It's not being exclusive. It's not, it's not, it's not give me this day my daily bread. And let me tell you, a lot of times our prayers are so selfish rather than selfless. And so he says, you know, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I'm telling you, a real disciple has a bigger picture than getting his bills paid every month. A real disciple has a vision and a dream for the world and for his church that says, Lord, us, it's we, we're a family. Our father, we're a part of a family. And God, I'm praying for my family today, not just me, myself, and mine, and, and, and all getting my needs met and my, you know, my itch scratched and, and my, you know, my refrigerator full and my bills paid. Oh God, it's about the family of faith. It's about, oh Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Prayer has a whole lot to do not only with a relationship with the Father, but a relationship with your family of faith. Are you with me? Say amen. It's more inclusive than exclusive. In fact, there's nothing about your... It's about us. Read Ephesians. Paul's talking to the church and he's writing to the church in Ephesus and it's we, us, and ours... Not me, mine, and my own. But the culture we live in is so selfish, we've forgotten about the world out there that so desperately needs our prayer, so desperately needs the gospel, so desperately needs our investment. And let me just say, we've forgotten about the church. We think the church is here to meet our needs. Because we think it's all about us. Just me. Anybody ever read The Purpose Driven Life? The first phrase of The Purpose Driven Life, it's not about you. Everybody say, it's not about me. And so when you come to pray, prayer, whew, think about this. When you pray, everybody say, when I pray, it's about making a difference out there, not just in here. Your prayer in the secret place makes a difference in the public place. It's about those out there. That's why we're praying. And as I said in our summer success initiatives, I want you to pray for focus for us and pray for our friends out there. Let me just stop and pause. How many of you have things that in your life, they're on your list that you know that you need God to do for you? I do. Beverly and I were talking on the way to church. Sometimes, yeah, I have to confess, sometimes we get so busy, you know, uh, doing other things. 
that our little moment coming to church is where we connect sometimes. And we're talking about our, about our future, but our future and, and, and what God wants to do, things we need God to do in us. Listen, we all have those things in our life, but let me tell you one of the greatest ways to get your needs met, be concerned about others. I'm going to say that again. One of the greatest ways to, because what did God, what did Jesus say? <coughs> he said, when you pray, pray this way and pray and, and include others. He said, your God who sees in, in, in that. Now here for us, it's about others, but to him, it's about us. Did you get that? For us, it's about others. To him, it's about us. So when we're praying for others, he's thinking about us. And he says, oh, let me tell you what I'm going to do for you today. You've been praying for others. You've been praying, our Father, deliver us from evil. Give us this day. You've been including others in your prayer life. He said, I'm going to reward you. I done gone to preaching this morning. Woo. That wasn't even in my notes. That just popped in my head. That's pretty good for just popping in your head right there. You see the God who said, pray for others. Be inclusive in your heart at the place of prayer. He's going to be exclusive to you. I'll reward you. Somebody say amen. Another thought about the lifestyle of prayer it's about him as much as it is about us. In fact, what I call the, the, the two parentheses of this prayer model, it's all about him. It begins all about him and it ends all about him. What does it say in, the, in verse 9? In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You see, when you come to the place of prayer, building relationship with the Father, we got to get out of our, our system that it's going to, it's, it's about me. How many of you know, let me just ask this. When your kids are young, aren't, don't they think it's all about them? I want to go here. I want to go here. It's all about me. And it's kind of interesting today, though we don't, I want to point a finger at it. In a lot of churches, people still think it's all about them. They come to church. I, I, uh, we, need, we might need to change churches. I'm just not having my needs met. I'm not just relating to that. I, and all of a sudden, and we think, it's, oh, I need to go somewhere where, where my, my needs get met a little bit. And we have this mindset, it's all about us. Hey, at the place of prayer, it's not about you. It's about him. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So he begins, you begin in your prayer life getting your priorities straight. It's about, and then he said, when you close out, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. It's about you. I'm beginning my prayer time just worshiping and magnifying you. And I'm ending my prayer time just worshiping and magnifying you because it's about you and about pleasing you. In my prayer life, not only do I want to uh, have my needs met, but the first thing I want you to do is be happy with my prayer life and be happy with me and be able to bless me because you know my priority of God is right in my life and I'm giving you the glory and I'm giving you the praise and, and hey, and, re, and regardless of what is in between these two parentheses at the close of my prayer time and at the close of my life, even if I'm like Job, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. Woo, blessed be the name of the Lord. 
Are you with me? Say amen. Hallowed be your name. See, it, it ought to begin with him and end with him. Do you have any friends that when you talk to them, it's all about them? Or aren't they a joy to be around? Hey, man, how's it going? And, buddy, they light up, and they don't shut up, and they tell you all about them, and they don't ever look at you and say, well, how's it going in your world? I hope you're not that way. Some of you wonder, I don't know why I don't have any friends, but it's all about you. So let me just say, if it's all about you, that's why you don't have many friends. They don't want to hear all about you. They want to know that there's a relationship. And I want to tell you something with God. God just didn't want to hear all about you. He does want to hear about you, but it's not all about you. Prayer is about him and others. And man, when we get those priorities right, I'm telling you, the reward began to take place. It's about him as much or more as it is about us. Hallowed be your name. Somebody say amen. Number four, it's about acknowledgement as much as it is asking. Let me explain. Prayer, when you look at this model prayer and even the nature of our heavenly father in this sermon on the mount, the prayer a lot of times is more about acknowledging who God is and his capacity and his ability rather that rather than it is asking let me and, and so let me just throw out some thoughts it's about acknowledging who he is and what he knows it's about his knowledge because when you know look at verse, if you go to back to verse 8 he just says your heavenly father knows what you need even before you ask i want to tell you something just knowing that he knows what you need will make you be more uh, uh, uh understanding and if he knows what i need i'm just going to acknowledge and agree with what he knows i need and i'm going to uh, i'm going to uh, acknowledge his knowledge and just say lord you know what i need i'm going to ask you told me to ask and we'll talk about that but uh, i just want to acknowledge that you know what I need. And if I ask amiss, then Lord, forgive me. But I want to agree and acknowledge that you know what I need better than I know what I need. But I'm coming to the place and I'm agreeing with what you know about me and what you know I need. And, and I acknowledge that you know it all. And I'm not going to try to tell you what to do. I've seen people, have you ever heard any people pray and they're praying and bossing God around like, like, we're the boss of him. I actually heard a guy pray one day, Lord, I command you in the name of the Lord to do that. I'm going, hey. It needs a little theological adjustment. Prayer is about acknowledging his knowledge and his insight into our life. Number two, prayer is about acknowledging his fatherhood. He's not just God. Everybody say God. We think God, you know, the God. He didn't say, when you pray, say, Almighty God. He is Almighty God. 
God. But hey, he's my heavenly father. Let's, let's, let's drop it down a notch with the religious jargon here and this, this misunderstanding of the fatherhood of God. And a lot of people, they're, they have daddy issues in life and they transfer them over to their father. Their daddy beat them or cussed them or was ugly to them and rude to them. And so they think God is going to be mean and ugly and he's big God up here and, and little man down there. No, uh, understanding something, prayer is about acknowledging who he is to you and who he wants to be to you. He wants to be your father. Say amen. It's about acknowledging his fatherhood over our life. Whew, some of you have never done that. You're still in the God stage. He's God. We acknowledge his fatherhood. Number two, it's about acknowledging not only his fatherhood, but his will and authority in our life. And, and this is, this is power packed. I've shared this before. He said, when you pray, you pray this, your kingdom come and your will be done. In fact, the Greek rendering of that, it's a declaration and an acknowledgement of his will and his authority in your life. It basically says this, come kingdom of God, come will of God in my life. I'm acknowledging your will is more important than my will. I'm acknowledging that your authority uh, is, is who, I, you're who I serve. I'm not the authority, even though I have authority, you are my authority. Your will come kingdom of God, come will of God. I'm acknowledging and agreeing with the will of God for my life and his authority over my life. Amen. It's about acknowledging not only his will and authority, but his provision and him as our provider. He said, say this when you pray, give us this day our daily bread. Did you know one of the names of God, we hallow the names of God. One of the names of God is Jehovah what? Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is our provider. Somebody say amen. Bring me the okra here, Beverly. I got, man, I told, I'm not going to mention any names because if I do, y'all will begin to expect this too. But some of the members of my church have a, have a garden and I told them this morning that I ate for three days right off their garden and that I didn't have to spend one penny for three days. Now, Beverly wasn't with me. If she'd been with me, we'd have to go buy something else. But man, I ate taters and corn and just ate from the garden. And it was provision. In fact, I was by myself. I'm going, I, you got to see, you got to picture that I'm by myself. I'm cutting up taters. Uh, and I'm frying them in the pan. I'm going, the Lord has provided taters for me. He knows. And I got great joy and, and not, I didn't spend a penny. I ate taters and corn. And so today it's okra Sunday. Somebody say amen. Whoo. Beverly fried up some okra the other day and I just, and, and I got so excited about it and I went back and it was a one serving fry. A little old skillet. I said, she must have five pieces of okra she fried up. I don't know. But, hey, abundance cometh. There you go, baby. Thank you so much. Ah, hallelujah. He's a provider. And so we need to acknowledge his provision in our life. That he's the one going to take care of us. It's not in fear, it's in faith. And we'll talk about that later when he, uh, if we go on into Matthew 6 where he says, hey, he takes care of the birds. 
Everybody say, I'm better than birds. Oh, you're better than the birds. I love the birds. How many of you are bird watchers? I love birds. He takes care of the birds. Sometimes I take care of the birds. I'll give them food. But ultimately, he'll take care of the birds. It's amazing. If I don't feed the birds, they still get fed because God takes care of them. He's our provider. He takes good care of us. And and if you, in fact, Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these temporal things will be added unto you. That's one of my first memory verses. We sang it years ago. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. When you are, bring the ochre back. When God provides, thank you, Jesus, for your bounty. For you have provided. Amen. I'm acknowledging your provision. Thank you, Jesus, for okra. Thank you, Jesus, for money. I better leave this up here. I might need it again in a minute. That okra is inspirational. We acknowledge his provision. Also, prayers about acknowledging his propitiation and protection or really his forgiveness and his protection. He said, when you pray, pray this way. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our sins as we forgive. It's about acknowledging his ability to forgive and the fact that he has provided a way for us to be forgiving, be forgiven. He said, forgive us our trespasses, our debts, as we forgive those who trespass our debt, uh, our debtors. And so prayer is about uh, acknowledging what he has done for us and his, and the capacity we have to walk forgiven. Somebody say, amen. Aren't you glad you're forgiven? Amen. And And he taught us to stay that way. And then he talked about protection. He said, pray this way, forgive us our trespasses or our debts as we forgive our trespasses or our debtors. And don't lead us into temptation, but what? Deliver us from evil. It's an acknowledgement about his capacity to deliver you and to liberate you and keep you safe and secure from the harms of this life and from the temptations of this life. And we acknowledge his authority over the devil and hell and all the things of this world. I don't love the world or the things in the world. I love you, Lord, and I know that you're going to protect me. Lord, God, protect me from the world. You see, God's not just going to deliver us out of the world. He's going to deliver us from the world while we're still in the world. And then we acknowledge his capacity to forgive us and our capacity to forgive others and the fact that he'll protect us in the fray. Amen. And then it's also, again, as I've already said, it's about acknowledging his power and his authority and his glory. The last verse, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. It's your power, your glory. 
And in this world, we acknowledge your power and authority and the fact that you're glorified above all this stuff. How many of you know life on earth is only temporary? The greatest amount of time you'll ever live anywhere is not planet earth. It's the smallest amount of time you'll ever live anywhere is planet earth. We, uh, we, 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 we acknowledge people who have, uh, you know, are older than us. Man, they're living a long time. No, it's just a glimpse in all eternity. It's about acknowledgement. And finally today, our prayer life and living the lifestyle of prayer, it's about persistence as, it's, as much as it is petition. That's the Matthew 7 passage where he said, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Now, you know this, if you've been around, you know this. If you haven't, then I'll just, you may know it already. But the Greek rendering of that verse in verse 7 is this. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. And basically it goes on to say, if you ask and keep on asking, I'll keep answering. If you seek and keep on seeking, you'll keep finding. And if you knock and keep on knocking, I'll keep opening unto you. It's about persistence as much as it is petition. Jesus taught us to be persistent at the place of prayer. There's other passages I could go about the woman who, with the unjust judge, daily she came, vindicate me, vindicate me, vindicate me. Jesus said the unjust judge is not going to vindicate her because of her request, but because her persistence. The lifestyle of prayer is about a persistent, disciplined life. It's not religious. It's about relationship. And as a disciple, if we're going to be a disciple and be a disciple maker, it's when you pray, not if you pray. It's a lifestyle. And so this morning, I want us to stand together. And especially this summer, as we have a prayer directive to pray for focus for friends and finances. What a great opportunity for all of us to embrace the relationship with our Heavenly Father more so than ever before. Let's bow our heads today. God is calling us as followers of Christ to be genuine disciples. who pray and seek Him, who knock and He opens the door. This morning, He's calling us to a new level of prayer, a lifestyle of prayer. And I want to pray for you today and I want you to pray for me and let's pray together. Because remember, it's inclusive rather than exclusive. And I'm going to pray through this model prayer and we're going to pray together, not just for us, but for one another. Jesus says, when you pray, pray this way, in this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Lord, today I thank you that you're my heavenly Father. That you're, though you are God and you're Almighty God, you chose to manifest yourself to us in this New Testament expression as a loving, caring Father. And Lord, today I pray that we would experience your fatherhood and your father's, the Father's love in our life this summer more than ever before. And Lord, we hallow and bless and worship your name. We worship who you are to us. We worship you and we bless you. And Lord, we declare, Lord, and acknowledge it's your kingdom we serve. And we just say, Lord, come kingdom of God in our lives and in our families, in our church, in our communities, in our nation and around the world. Come kingdom of God. Come will of God in our lives. Let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth here with us, just like it is in heaven. And Lord, you told us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, I pray for everyone here, everyone listening by way of the internet, everyone listening, Lord, by way of podcast. Lord, I pray for them. And we pray you'd be Jehovah Jireh, their provider. And we pray today together, Lord, we agree together that you would supernaturally provide. For you know what we need before we even ask. And Lord, we're going to ask. But we know you know what we need and we pray. Some of you need wisdom today more than you need uh, uh, dollar bills. Some of us need dollar bills. Some of us need provision. We, we need providing just physical provisions. God knows what we need. But we ask you, Lord, as our supreme provider, we ask you to give us this day our daily bread. And Father, we ask you to forgive us. Lord, our nation, our church family, Lord, forgive us for our sins and for our shortcomings and for our trespasses. And Lord, we choose to forgive those who have trespassed against us. Thank you for forgiveness. And don't lead us into temptation. We know you won't, but we just pray you deliver us from evil. Lord, be our deliverer today. We will fear no evil. We're walking with you and we fear no evil. For it's your kingdom, it's your power, and it's your glory forever. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. This week, you and I are going to have opportunity every day to build upon our relationship with God, our Father, at the place of prayer. And I pray your commitment would be strong. Your persistence would be impacting. and Your motives would be right and whole. Lord, we're going to pray for our focus as a church family, our friends that need Christ, and the finances to do what God wants us to do. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.